This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. This past week, when I was looking at at Facebook, I I ran across this part that was on my sister's Facebook page. And, And keep in mind, my sister, she is much, much older than I am, okay? And he's just like crazy much older than I am. And, and on there, she was nominated for being a grandma celebration, all right? And so what she was supposed to do, right, is post a picture of her being a grandma, one picture a day for 10 days in a row, no explanation, right? Some of you are familiar with that stuff. So let's imagine that this morning I'm nominating you and, and you actually have to do it, okay? And, and I'm nominating you right now to, to show us a picture of what your living room looks right now. Boom, it's up on the side screens. What, what are we seeing? Huh? Now, what's your living room like right now? Shout out to those of you worshiping online from your living room right now. Huh? What about if, if I asked you to, to take a picture of your kitchen, what it looks like right now, your kitchen, and it's up on the side screen. You get hundreds of views right away. Huh? Or how about your bedroom? What's it, what's it look like? Well, up on the, on the side screen now is, uh, is a picture of my bedroom, okay? And, you know, this is an after picture, okay? After I, I moved some things around and after I moved a few more things around and after I took a few other pictures, then I went ahead and settled on this one, right? But... There's the before picture too, right? Here's the before picture. <laughs> and, you know, maybe you notice that in the before picture and the after picture, uh, you didn't see the floor, okay? Uh, and, and that's because it's, it's wintertime and I run and there's running clothes all over the floor. Right? So I, I think it's safe to say, right, that, that none of us, would pass the Aussie and Harriet perfect family test just by a a show of pictures from various rooms in our homes. Let alone, let alone if someone could take a picture of our heart and our mind and all that stuff that's in our heart and our mind, all that stuff would be up on the side screens and all that stuff from the rest of our families too. I think what we would see is that we all kind of have a a pretty messy family portrait. I know from social media that that a number of you are okay, you're, you're comfortable sharing some of the imperfections of your family by picture. But I still think that if we're going to be honest, right, that we're still, we've got this part inside of us that, that wants a perfect family uh, or at least a family that's better than that other family, 
right? And, and this is how I know that we kind of have that going on because inside of our family, day by day, week by week, however it is, we have these characteristics inside our family because we don't think it's quite adding up. Let's look at them, read them together on the screen. Inside our families, we have these things, right? Let's read it together. Anger, anxiety, comparison, denial, fights, guilt, self-righteousness, shame, stress, worry, and more, right? Let's face that. Uh, there, there's no such thing as a perfect family. Those families out there that we see and they look like they've got it all together, certainly you do really understand there's stress and tension inside those families as well. In every family, there, there's blips on the screens. There's, there's black sheep. In fact, for some of us, you know, when you look in the mirror, you see the black sheep uh, of the family. And it's been that way ever since the first family turned away from God and into sin. This morning, uh, we're beginning our, our series, as Pastor Ben mentioned, Messy Families. And, and what we're going to do is we're going to go into that very first book of the Bible, Genesis, and God just, he doesn't hold any punch. He's just clear, hey, let's just be honest. This is the way it is. And, and we're going to look at the different families that are there. We're going to see the strange situations that they found themselves in. Uh, we're going to see how they tried to work things out and how God actually came onto the scene and, and blessed them and worked things out. And and most importantly, we're going to see God come to us and give us guidance and direction for our messy family. And most importantly of all, see that God's grace helps us through it all. Okay, so let's go to Genesis. Let's take a little picture in our mind. First picture we see is God coming to a guy named Abram. Okay, Abram, uh, keep in mind, names back in the day, they had meaning. Abram, that name means exalted father, okay? And maybe you remember from Pastor Ben's reading, as God comes to Abram, he is 75 years old, and at this point in time, he has no children, okay? He's married, but has no children. He's 75 years old. And so uh, imagine the introductions there as Abram meets someone. Hi, I'm Abram. And the other person's hearing, hi, I'm exalted father, okay? And they're going, oh, that's cool. How many children do you have? And Abram's like, yeah, I got nothing, you know? I got, you know, at least his, his family portraits, he didn't have to worry about kids looking away or kids screaming or crying, right? Like the rest of our messy families, because he didn't have any, right? So as God comes to Abram in this first picture, God promises Abram that through him and Sarai, his wife, they're going to have a child. And through that child, the whole world is going to be blessed sooner or later. In other words, this is a promise of a savior, in this first scene, this first picture, God, part of this blessing, part of this promise is, Abram, I'm going to give you a new land to live in, all right? So it, it's, it's pretty cool. He's got the value markers of the near ancient East, land and family. The thing about the land, though, too, is God's telling me he's going to go some, he doesn't have any idea where he's going, Okay, we're, we're not talking about he's bad at directions. We're talking about he doesn't know where he's going. He's got to 
trust in God. And so he packs up his wife, Sarai, and in addition to kind of show you how messed up the family is, he brings along his uh, freewheeling nephew named Lot, okay? And, and what's going to happen is Lot is going to cause a lot of problems for Abram along the way, okay? But Abram takes off. He listens and follows God. So, so far, so good. Picture two of Abram is Abram is wealthy. So imagine in your mind someone who is really wealthy. That's Abram, okay? The thing with wealth, though, is it can not only be a blessing, but sometimes it can be a curse. Sometimes it can be a bad thing. I know that's maybe hard for some of us to understand, but what happens when we have this wealth, what can happen easily is we say, we've got all these things, and so I really don't need God, or I can put God onto the side because I have all this stuff. I have all this wealth. And that kind of leads us to a very key and important point. Every mistake is made by not putting God first, okay? Every mistake is made by not putting God first, okay? So God comes to Abram, he's really wealthy, and God helps Abram out with this wealth in that as he's traveling along, they go into an area where there's a famine, okay? There's no food. So you can have all the money in the world, but you're not buying food if there's no food. Okay, and and so Abram's got to trust in the Lord. The closest grocery store is like a hundred miles away in Egypt. Imagine what that's like for those of us who uh, type in our orders on the computer and go and pick it up or, you know, order it and have it delivered. Abram's got to go like a hundred miles away to get food. Does that so far, so good. Okay, he's going to Egypt. That's where the grocery store is at. But that's where the wheels come off, okay? Picture three, uh, Abram and his wife Sarai are talking, and, and Sarai's a, a beautiful woman. Everybody knows it. I mean, it's boom, you know? Uh, everybody turns and looks at, at Sarai. And Abram says to her, hey, you know, as we're going into this new land, in this land of, of the Egyptians, they're gonna look at you, and they're gonna go, man, she's beautiful. And if they know I'm your husband, they're going to want to kill me so they can have you as their wife. So here's the deal. Say that you're my sister, okay? Don't do that at home, okay? Don't try that at home, you know? And Sarah goes along with that. I mean, just think about this a little bit. If, if Abram's going to get killed because Sarah's his wife, so that they can have Sarah, Sarah as, as their wife, why aren't they going to take Sarah as their wife if Abram's simply her brother? Okay? But they don't put that all together. Okay? And, and so the next part, right? You can just picture Sarah's walking off to someone else's home because that's what's happened. Only by divine intervention is Sarah brought back to Abram. See, sometimes... Messy families make some really silly decisions. Uh, Sometimes messy families make some really ridiculous decisions. Sometimes messy families make really sinful decisions. Okay. Next picture that 
You can put in your mind uh, of Abram as is of him and Lot. They're, they're both wealthy. They have all these herds, all this cattle, all these flocks of sheep and, and stuff like that. They are so blessed that the land is running out of room to support them. And so what's happening is there's fighting between Abram's servants and Lot's servants. And then that gets back to Abram and Lot and, and they're kind of bickering and arguing among themselves. Can you picture that? Some of you, can you picture families arguing and fighting among themselves? Huh? And that's what's going on. Kind of got a messy family. And, and Abram says, hey, Lot, let, let's get together. Let's, let's stop this, okay? Lot, you choose whatever land you want to take care of all your stuff. You take that land and I'll go the opposite direction, whatever you want. And so Lot looks out and there's this land with all this water and, and you know, and so that's gonna, you know, give drink to the, all the animals. That water's gonna supply water for their crops to grow and all that. And Lot sees all of that and he goes, yeah, I'm there. Uncle, I love you, but I'm there. See ya. And Abram's left with the desert. He's feel like he's, he's being piled on. He's being taken advantage of. I mean, Lot, couldn't you just give me a little bit of the water? Yeah. And God comes to Abram and says, Abram, in this desert, look around, look at all this dust and stuff. I want you to know, that one day your descendants are going to be like the dust of this desert, too numerous to count. A little while later, God comes to Abram again and says, Abram, look up into the sky. Look up into the sky in this clear night and see all the stars. Try to count them, Abram. You, you can't count them. There's too many. Abram, your descendants are going to be like the stars of the sky. Too numerous to count. Okay. At this time, Abram's like in his mid-80s. No children yet, right? Sarai, his wife, mid-70s. Okay. Abram shares with Sarai, you know, hey, this is what God said. He said that our descendants are gonna be like the dust of the, of the desert and that our descendants are gonna be like the stars of the sky. And Sarah goes, yeah, I know, I, I hear you, but, you know, I, I don't know, you know? I, I love you. I, I love the Lord, but this doesn't look so good here. I'm going to give you my servant girl, Hagar, and you have an adulterous affair with her. And maybe we can have a family through her. Okay. So just picture what Sarai is doing is she is human trafficking her servant girl out. That's what's going on. Okay. And Abraham, not too reluctantly, says, okay, good idea. And he sleeps with Hagar, and Hagar becomes pregnant, and Sarai gets all upset. Who would have thought? <laughs> Who would have thought that an adulterous affair would cause such problems in the family, Right? But that's what happens. Remember, every mistake is made by not putting God first. Next picture, God comes to Abram. He's 99 years old, still no children. God comes to Abram and says, Abram, we're going to change your name. It's going to be Abraham, okay? Father of 
many. That's your new name, father of many. Okay. And by this time, you and your wife change her name now too to Sarah. By now, by this time next year, you and your wife, Sarah, you're going to have a baby boy. You're going to have a child. It'll bless the whole world through your descendants. And when Abraham and, and Sarah talk about this, Sarah overhears this. Sarah, she just laughs in unbelief. She's had enough. It's been 24 years of these promises. Okay, we were old when this all started and now you're 99, I'm like 90. Yeah, no, she laughed in disbelief. Within the year, Abraham and Sarah have a little boy. Just like God said, little boy's name is Isaac. Okay, Isaac means laughter. Can you imagine the laughter and the joy that Isaac brought to Abraham and Sarah after all those years, after all that waiting, after wanting and waiting before the promises even started. And now finally they have a little boy, Isaac, laughter, joy. Fast forward on your podcast, not 15 seconds, but about 15 years. And here's the next picture. God comes to Abraham and says, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. That child you waited for so long, that that child that you love, go and sacrifice him. And before you start tweeting out hate stuff about God, okay, understand God knows the future. God already knows what's going to happen. It's not a surprise to him, okay? God is testing Abraham. God is not tempting Abraham. God does not tempt people. Satan tempts people. Okay. The goal of temptation is to get us to weaken our faith or to lose our faith completely. That's what Satan does. God will test our faith. The goal of testing our faith is to strengthen our faith, our trust in him. Okay. So the very next morning, Abraham gets up, takes his son Isaac, and two servants, and they're headed on like a three-day journey for this sacrifice, okay? They've got the wood, they've got the fire, Abraham's got the knife. And, and they're walking along, they make their way two days, and, and Abraham says to the servants, Abraham says to the servants, you guys stay here. Isaac and I, we're gonna go up the mountain, we're gonna worship the Lord, and then we're gonna come back. So was, was Abraham deceiving those Servants, was Abraham already trying to start a a cover up, or was Abraham trusting in the Lord? So they're making their way up that mountain. And Isaac's a teenager by now, right? Okay. And so Isaac, as a teenager, he already knows everything. 
Okay, things don't change, right? He knows everything. But it's driving Isaac nuts because even though he knows everything, he's like, Dad, Dad, you got the wood, you got the fire, you got the knife, but where's the sacrifice? What's Abraham say? He says, the Lord will provide. Little does Isaac know that it's not going to be long until he's going to be laying on on top of that altar. How could Abraham even think about doing that? In the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, we find out how and why. It says, Abram reasoned that God could even raise the dead. Abram reasoned that if I put Isaac to death because there's so much riding on Isaac because my savior is coming through Isaac because your savior is coming through Isaac God will raise him from the dead if I have to put him God will raise him from the dead and so Isaac is on the altar and Abraham reaches back and is about to sacrifice him and in mid-swing the angel of the Lord goes Abraham Abraham, and stops him. Abraham was relieved to a degree we can't get, right? And he looks over and caught in the bushes is a ram. Abraham runs over to that ram, grabs the ram, puts that thing up on the altar and sacrifices the ram in Isaac's place. And Abraham calls that place, check it out, the Lord will provide. See, here are two truths we learn from Abraham's messy family, okay? What we put ahead of God, God will ask us to release. What we put ahead of God, God will ask us to release. What we release, God will replace with someone or something even better. As we look at, at Abraham, we can, we can see some of those same struggles that he had because we have them too. See, our, our struggle is, is sometimes to hold on to our possessions, our home, our car, our family heirloom, some jewelry, you know, hold on to those possessions tighter then we hold on to God. Our, our struggle is to hold on to the, the name that we've made for ourselves, you know, our position, our, our identity in our job. We hold on to that so tight. We hold on to it tighter than the identity which God has given us as his children. Our struggle is that we hold on so tight to our passions, our dreams, our hobbies, our habits. We hold on to those things tighter than we hold on to God. Our struggle is holding on to human relationships tighter than we hold on to God. Our struggle, quite simply, is that we hold on to doubt and not trust. And we become suspicious of God. God, I know what you say, 
but it doesn't look like it. It looks like you're going to blow it. God, I, I know what you say, but what's in front of me doesn't make sense. It, it looks like you're, you're blowing it. God, it, it looks like my, my situation is hopeless. It looks like you're blowing it. God, I, I know what you say, but nothing's happening. I'll step in and I'll help out, okay? Because it looks like you're blowing it. If you ever find yourself caught between doubt and trust, check your altitude. Okay? If you're looking at things straight across, you're seeing things just from your perspective, you're probably only going to see problems and, and difficulties. They're going to be a lot easier to see anyway. But if you look at them, check them out from God's altitude... Like you're in a plane, you can see all those many things. If you look at it from God's altitude, what you're going to see is tons of opportunities and tons of blessings. Remember, every mistake is made by not putting God first. Every mistake is redeemed by the Lord who provides. If we look at our lives, pictures from our lives, it's, it's the same as Abraham, there are times where we have messed up. And like Abraham, our faith isn't perfect, but our God is perfect. Okay? So perfect in his love that he sacrificed his one and only and dearly loved son, Jesus, for us. He went through with it and sacrificed him. And since God gave us his best, we can trust him with the rest. Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? You see, just like Abraham found out, you and I, and know that the Lord will provide. And as we have all of our, our messy families and things like that, remember, remember, God doesn't grade on the curve. He grades on the cross. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for speaking right into our hearts and lives right into our messiness. Thank you for not turning away from our messiness, but jumping in to our messiness. Thank you for removing all of our sin and making us clean. Thank you for giving us your identity, children of God. Lord, send your Holy Spirit. Increase our trust and our faith in you. For you, Lord, you gave us your son. You, Lord, you, Lord, will provide. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, 
go to victoryofthelamb.com.